happy February, Kirkwood. Welcome back for another episode. 2020 is chugging right along, and here we are in beautiful February. So today we are going to talk about all of our programming for February. And it's a great lot, too. Our services that we're going to offer, or that we offer. Passports. We have Nancy Price interview. She is with the League of Women Voters, as well as a board member with the Kirkwood Public Library. She will be telling you all about the U.S. Census. Which is right around the corner. Yes, coming up in April. And last, we are going to talk about Black History Month and our book and movie recommendations. Yes, this is sure to be a fantastic podcast. So stay tuned and... Happy Valentine's Day, Kirkwood. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. All right, so let's talk about our February programs and what a bunch of great programs it is. But before we do that, quick reminder, winter reading is still going on strong, but it will be ending soon. In fact, the last day is February the 16th. So don't forget to log in, record your pages, and get those valuable, valuable prizes. That's right. It's going to be ending soon. It'll be here before you know it. We've only got a couple of weeks left. All right. So moving on, uh, our first program in February that we're excited to talk about is uh, the Introduction to Deaf Culture and ASL. This is going to be on Monday, February the 3rd at 630. In this program, we'll present uh, introductory information about the deaf community and their culture and as to why it's so important for hearing people to be aware of the deaf community. This event is for all ages. There will be an ASL interpreter here uh, during the event. Uh, and for those who do not know, the ASL stands for American Sign Language. And I think this is going to be an incredibly informative and interesting uh, program. Yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to this. <laughs> I've always wanted to know more about this subject, and this will be a perfect opportunity. Uh, next up, uh, an exciting one for myself, on Tuesday, February the 4th at 7 p.m., we have our next trivia night. And that night, we're going to be doing Game of Thrones. This is so exciting. I get to be scorekeeper, so <laughs> I'm very excited to be there. So it's going to concentrate primarily on the television show, the old HB, the old, the HBO series. <laughs> it's been off the air so long. <laughs> so long. Uh, and so... Um, for this event, registration is required. Now, as this goes out, there's tables still available, but it it will be in three days. So make sure you sign you and five of your most knowledgeable Game of Thrones uh, trivia enthusiasts up, and we'll see you there at uh, February 4th at 7 p.m. Okay, well, coming up next is Meals in an Instant. This is a program presented by the University of Missouri Extension. It is going to be Saturday, February 8th at 2 p.m. Registration is required, so make sure you go online to our calendar and sign yourself up. We'll be showing you how to make quick meals. So you'll be learning about, you know, since we're all so busy, so having an easy, quick meal to... That information would be so important to me. Yes, absolutely, because sometimes I get home and I, you know, it'd be nice if I could just, you know, heat something up really quick and instead of having to come up with a full meal that's going to take me, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to make. Exactly. And save yourself some money from going out constantly. Exactly. That too. Yeah, that's right. It's much cheaper to eat, eat at home. <laughs> yeah, far too often. All right. Coming up next is my one of my favorite programs the library does. It's Music in the Library. So Gary Hockberg is going to be doing a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot. 
Yeah, so he'll be doing playing some of his music, and it's going to be Sunday, February 16th at 2 p.m. It'll be right there in the main lobby area of the, the library. So come music and join Music lovers, come join Okay, well, next up, and, and this is something that uh, Jagisha usually talks about, but I'm taking the helm this time. It, our Good Yarns is February 18th at 7 p.m., and Good Yarns is our, is our stitching club. So if you knit, crochet, cross-stitch, embroider, or do anything fiber crafts, come on by and join our stitching club. Bring your current project and meet some friends. All levels of experience is welcome. All right, and then, oh, so you're probably going to learn a little bit more about this with the Nancy Price interview that we have coming up. We're doing the 2020 Census Information Session here at the library. There are going to be two days that we do this. It's going to be Saturday, February 22nd at 2 p.m., and then Monday, February 24th at 2 p.m. Nancy Price will be there to give you some information about the census and answer your questions. Nancy Price with the uh, League of Women Voters, who will be joining us here momentarily on the podcast. But this program is so important, and we're going to, and, and you and I, Jagisha, will be learning why the census is so important, along with Kirkwood here. But uh, we'll be talking, she'll be talking about the importance of a complete count for the U.S. Census. A complete count is necessary to ensure federal funding. And it's sure to be a, a very interesting interview and an awesome uh, two programs. But next up... It's Crafter Work. On February 26th, we'll be doing painted flowers. Plum blossom flowers are a symbol of perseverance, hope, beauty, and purity in the Chinese culture. Create your own watercolor painting of these beautiful flowers. All supplies are provided, but registration is required. So call 314-821-5770, option 3, or sign up online at kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org slash calendar. And now coming up is the Tech Savvy series. I'm going to be presenting Hoopla, Libby, Overdrive, and Canopy. So if you have not signed up for all these wonderful streaming services and ebook services that we have, then you should join us Thursday, February 27th at 2 p.m. in the computer lab so you can learn a little bit more about this. Now, registration is required for this too, so please visit kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org slash calendar and sign up. If you're looking for a book club, well, Kirkwood Public Library has six, and you are more than welcome to come join us and talk about some great books. So uh, the Kirkwood Public Library offers the Mystery Readers Book Club, Book Club at the End of the Universe. Now, this is our science fiction and fantasy book club. Books on Tap. Now, this one is held off-site. They meet at 612 Kitchen and Cocktails, which is at... 612 West Woodbine Avenue, right here in Kirkwood. There's also the Saturday Morning Perks Book Club, the Reader's Circle Book Discussion, and the Community for Understanding and Hope Book Group. Information as to times and dates when they meet and the books they're reading can be found at kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org. So jump on and see what we're reading. Come talk about your favorite books with us. And that is our programming for February. Stay tuned for our interview with Nancy Price. Hello, Kirkwood. So we're back, and I've got Nancy Price with us. She is a member of the Kirkwood Public Library Board, (laughs) as well as a member of the League of Women Voters. So welcome, Nancy. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, especially to talk about this important issue of the census. I agree. This is so important, and it's been 10 years years since we've done it before. It was 2000. 
or sorry, 2010. <laughs> I know what year it is. It's 2020. <laughs> and it's time to talk about the census again. It's okay. here. So, uh, Nancy, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got involved with uh, this project. I've lived in a lot of places, and I've learned that that's kind of difficult because the first thing people want to know when you come to St. Louis is, where did you go to high school? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I've lived East Coast, West Coast, Minnesota, and I've been in Kirkwood for about 10 years. I love the stimulation of new places, new people, learning about the places where I've lived. I'm a scientist for plant physiology and biochemistry, but I'm interested in everything. And Kirkwood Library is just a wonderful resource for a curious person. It absolutely is. There's so much to this collection here that I'm constantly amazed. And there's a giant stack of books that I can never, ever finish. <laughs> <laughs> My nightstand is weighed down. All right. So, um, so let's just start by asking, what is the U.S. Census and why is it so important? Well, the census is a once-a-decade count of who is dwelling in the U.S., including its territories, regardless of their citizenship status. It's mandated by our Constitution. Article 1, Section 2 states, Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers. The U.S. has a set of defined number of U.S. Congress members and Electoral College members, and both of these have to be reallocated um, whenever there are changes in the population. So as the states gain or lose population relative to each other, we need to decide how to best allocate them. And a second thing is there are many kinds of federal funding that also are allocated across the states based on population. So yeah, so we have to know how many people are living in each state and then even our local areas. So that makes sense. So what types of questions can people expect on the census? Well, the, the short form, which is what most people usually end up being asked to fill, is very simple. Uh, there's going to be name, age, and your date of birth, your sex, your race, your home ownership status, relationship status of each person in the house to what is called the head of household. And a subset of uh, race would be Hispanic, Latino, or Spanish origin. And another thing about that is that it's really important to know that your census data is 100% confidential and cannot be used against you in any way. Title 13 of the U.S. Code states that the census may only be used to produce statistics. So I could tell you 10% of Kirkwood is low income, but I couldn't tell you who. And the internet data submissions are also secure and encrypted. Another thing is your answers cannot be used by law enforcement purposes or to determine personal eligibility for government benefits. And that is really important because some people will reconsider participating when um, this cannot be used against them. I imagine a lot of people will not want to answer the questions if they're worried about how the government will respond to what they've said. And and this is, you know, not going to happen. So that shouldn't be a fear. What uh, what can patrons expect with this year's census? What's different about it as opposed to uh, 10 years ago? Well, 10 years ago, um, we had a more what I would call traditional census where people pretty much mailed it back. They filled out their form and they mailed it in. And as of 2020, we are trying, the government is trying to do this primarily through internet, have people respond 
on the internet. And this is a challenge, of course, for some people who either don't have internet access or they're not comfortable working with computers. And one of the great resources for this group will be the libraries because they can go to a library, they can enter their answers if they're comfortable, they just need internet, um, they may be able to get some help in entering their answers from library staff and not that librarians have to be experts but there are probably some simple questions at least that they will be able to answer. And, and certainly we librarians do census as well. <laughs> yes you do. And, and the other important thing is that um, census takers will go door to door for people that do not respond. So if you totally limited in the use of a computer that will work out too. And different libraries are handling that differently. Some are trying to reserve certain computers for very specific days so that people can get through the process. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right, so we kind of touched base on this a little bit earlier, but so how is the government going to use the information? I know you said it's about budgeting and mm -hmm. making sure people get the type of funding that's needed. And representation, too. Um, the data are used in a, in a lot of ways. They're used by federal the state and the local governments. Um, some of the things that they used, they're used for are, like I say, the House of Representatives and the Electoral College votes, um, the redrawing of legislative districts, which happens after every census, usually about a year or two after the districts are redrawn. Then it's also, and this is key, the distribution of 675 plus billion with a B dollars in federal funds that's going to be allocated to the states. This goes to such things as Medicaid, SNAP, SCHIP, highway funding, Section 8 housing vouchers, national school lunch programs, and many other programs. There's also planning for things like the location of health services. If you know where the population is, where's the best place to put your hospitals? And if you know the aging profile, do you need nursing homes? Um, also, they use it to draft maps for emergency services to get to households, for budget planning, planning public transportation, because that doesn't happen overnight and determining areas for eligible housing assistance, which, which areas have maybe a low income, and directing funds for services for people in poverty. That's why it's just so important to have a complete count. Estimates are that Missouri loses $1,272 in federal funding for every single person not counted. Children under five are the most undercounted group. Okay, so that was something I hadn't considered. So parents can enter information for each child, too. Yes. When can Kirkwood residents expect to uh, fill out their census? When does that begin? It will be getting mailed to them, and it will be sometime, like, maybe the beginning of March. Okay. Some states are doing that a little earlier. I'm pitching um, every place. It's a little bit different. But the, the day that they want the count to record is April 1st. Okay, so... And it's definitely coming up. Yes. So if you want to know a little bit more about the census that's happening, Nancy is actually going to be here both uh, February 22nd, which is a Saturday at 2 p.m., and again on February 24th, which is a Monday at 2 p.m. here at the Kirkwood Public Library. So she'll be here to give you more information and also answer questions if you have any. All right, so we thought we'd have some kind of a little bit of fun with the rest of this, but so when was the first census? 
Well, the first census was right after we became a country. Uh, in 1790, when Washington was president, uh, Jefferson actually was in charge of it. And the 2020 census will be the 23rd census. And an interesting thing that happened with that census was when it was done, the count was 3.9 million. And that included slaves, but did not include Indians. And Washington was very concerned. He thought that it was a substantial underestimation of the population, and he was very concerned about looking weak in the eyes of the European powers. One reason for the undercount was thought to be that Americans were worried it was the foundation of a tax. Ah, makes sense, because 3.9 million sounds like a lot to me. Yeah, especially considering, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago, but (laughs) it feels it. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I'm actually, my mind is blown that they had the forethought to create a census. I mean, every time I think of the forefathers and all the different things that they like sort of put together, I'm just, my mind is completely blown as to how forward thinking they were. I think they're a contentious bunch and they, they, <laughs> they had to, um, anyone who's seen Hamilton, um, sure. but they, they were a contentious bunch and they, um, everybody was thinking what was best for their constituents. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. All right, uh, how about tell us the most interesting or bizarre trivia you're aware of about the U.S. Census? Well, when it first started, quite a while, they had the um, U.S. Marshal Service were the census takers. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Can you just imagine the Texas Rangers coming to your house? That would make for an interesting movie. (laughs) Yeah, and we talk about being intimidated. That would be a little... um, disconcerting but that was um for quite a while like about 100 years they did that way and then they decided you know maybe we should have a census bureau and actually have people this is their job that absolutely makes sense yeah because i imagine you get more people answering questions if the law enforcement isn't doing the (laughs) the asking of questions (laughs) could be intimidating could be yes oh we uh generally ask this of most people who come and visit us uh how about what's your favorite book or what you're currently reading well, um, I always read at least one book. I mean, I'm usually reading several, which my daughter constantly brings to my attention. It drives her crazy. <laughs> a good friend just loaned me A Well-Behaved Woman by Teresa Ann Fowler. And the book that I have read, I read it many years ago, but I continue to try and encourage other people to read it and loan my copy out is called The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkerson. I think it, it's, um, she is a award-winning journalist and it's very fact-based and it's, um, a very interesting historical story. Very nice. Yeah, that does sound very good. Is there anything we haven't talked about today that... Well, the League was formed a hundred years ago, so we're doing our centennial, which is one reason we're doing a lot of presentations this year. It happens to coincide with the 19th Amendment, which expanded the right to vote to all women. And it was ratified in 1920, which is kind of interesting because you just heard last night about some of the progress with the ERA, so in 2020. Right. Once women were a permitted universal vote, then they needed to become registered and understand the issues and participate. And that's why the League really came into being. Uh, We've been trying to do that ever since then. And, of course, um, it's always been our goal to have both men and women exercise their vote. We 
just the women part is largely because of the timing. Today, what's happening is many states are passing laws or instituting policies which are making it harder to vote. And these practices disproportionately disenfranchise lower income people, people of color, women, and people with disabilities. So the League is working hard to overcome the barriers while continuing its original mission of everybody should be involved. You should be registered. I think you should have registration, participation, and education are the three things that are really important to be a good citizen. And I've always had a really strong social conscience and work for different causes. But when I moved to Kirkwood, Lois Bliss became a friend of mine, and she's a longtime Kirkwood resident that we recently lost. She was a really special person and a wonderful mentor, and she pushed me. <laughs> which I needed, to join the League. And the more time I spent and got to know what they were doing, the more I found that it was very important and the mission of helping people become registered and participation. Um, and as chair of the Speakers Bureau, I work on the education part and try and get people to understand issues. They don't have to have my opinion, but I like to give them, you know, pros and cons, and I respect people enough that they can definitely make their own opinion. Well, nice. Certainly well. agree. The League of Women Voters, fantastic organization. They, they are here often and helping people with such vital services such as this. Absolutely. So, Nancy, thank you so much for being here today and telling us a little bit about the U.S. Census. And remember, everyone, there are going to be two information sessions coming up in February. First one is Saturday, February 22nd at 2 p.m., and the second one is Monday, February 24th at 2 p.m. Definitely not to be missed. Thank you so much, Nancy. I learned so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's really an important um, issue that affects everyone, and it just definitely has an impact on our funding, which allows us, even for libraries, to do more. Absolutely. All right, so now we're at the part where we highlight a service that Kirkwood Public Library offers. This is our perhaps our most utilized service, and that's passports. Did you know the Kirkwood Public Library can help process your passport? Well, we can. Uh, there is so much that goes into doing a passport that unfortunately we can't cover with the time we have allotted. So I will tell you uh, some basic information. Most importantly, visit kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org slash services slash passports um, for a checklist, hours of acceptance, our information, our phone number, and some base information that you'll need to know. But lesser known things when coming to the library to get a passport is that as we are a third party, we can only pay via check or money order. So if you're coming, make sure you bring your checkbook. When the library is open, we offer passport services with one exception. The library has to be done processing passports an hour before it closes. And this is a hard stop. We generally ask that you give us 15 to 20 minutes per passport application. So you want to factor that in when you visit. But as always, we are more than happy to answer any of your passport questions, so please call us at the reference desk at 314-821-5770, option 3, and we'll be happy to answer any of your questions you might have. Keep in mind the library does not take passport photos. So go out and see the world, Kirkwood. So as we mentioned earlier, February is Black History Month. 
So this year we thought we'd talk a little bit about some of our favorite books and movies, of course. We got to talk about movies. Always. Uh, related to Black History. So I have a few books, and I think I might have mentioned them in the past, but one of my favorite books is by Toni Morrison, uh, Beloved. And this one uh, was actually turned into a movie with Oprah Winfrey mm -hmm. and uh, Danny Glover. Both are very good. Um, the book is just amazing. Toni Morrison is just a wonderful writer, and if you haven't read her, I urge you, I strongly urge you to pick up one of her books. She passed away last year. So Toni Morrison is an amazing writer, and you might not have known this, but she won the Nobel Prize in 1993 for literature. I did know that, or I did not know the year, but I was aware that she had a Nobel Prize. She was actually one of the first African-American women to be selected for the award. That is most impressive. Uh, I have not read Beloved, but I have seen the movie, and I think it's really good. Well acted. It is. It is deeply moving. It is sad. Yes. Uh, it's a tearjerker. So I've got to warn you about that. But a very good movie. Make sure you have your facial tissues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> moving on. Do you have a, a book that you want to talk about? I do. Um, well, as you know, uh, I enjoy graphic novels, and this, this, uh, this recommendation won't be any different. But I'd like to recommend the book, book series March by John Lewis, who, as I'm sure everyone knows, is a civil rights icon and an American congressman. March chronicles his remarkable life, um, from an Alabama sharecropper's farm to a segregated school in, the in 1963. March on Washington to the halls of Congress and everywhere in between. Uh, this graphic novel weaves an unforgettable true tale of one of our, of our history's most important leaders. And it's beautifully illustrated by Nate Powell, and it's, well, it's fundamentally moving. It's, um, 1963 wasn't all that long ago, and it's a very important story, and I highly recommend that if you have not read it and want to learn more about you know, this country's complicated history, that's, that's a very interesting read. John Lewis has lived a very interesting life. And so while I'm on the subject of graphic novels, I just want to go and mention uh, another great book series is, uh, well, uh, or at least acknowledge the character of Black Panther, uh, King T'Challa of Wakanda is, is recognized as um, <clears throat> the first mainstream black superhero. He debuted in Fantastic Four back in 66, if my memory holds, and he has been a very important member of the Avengers ever since. And the movie was fantastic, which I'm sure I've mentioned earlier on the podcast. So, But perhaps more important to me, uh, one Aurora Monroe, or as, or as we've come to know her amongst the X-Men, as Storm, the oftentimes leader of the X-Men. She uh, debuted in 1975. I'm not as sure about this, but I believe that she is perhaps the first mainstream female black superhero. They are both definitely great characters. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's interesting how graphic novels and comic books introduced diversity into our culture. Right. And it's it was it was done in in a in a way that didn't create a lot of controversy. Yeah, um, well back then they also had like the, the code, the comics code of authority. So there was there was incredibly limited what they could say and what they couldn't say essentially. Um, and I, I use the word mainstream as, you know, as, as we've come to understand it now, like Marvel and DC are the mainstream superhero books. There was certainly, you know, black characters well before that. But again, I believe they are like, they're recognized as the mainstream superheroes. Well, 
I've got a couple of other authors that I just want to mention. Um, you probably Please heard me do. mention them before. Um, it's Maya Angelou, who also passed away not that long ago. Found her to be one of the most amazing women because I actually had the privilege of hearing her talk at my college. She oh, was really? brought in as a speaker and she was just phenomenal. And then one other author that I don't think she gets as much mention is Zora Neale Hurston. She is also another amazing writer. I recommend the book Their Eyes Were Watching God. It's one of her, it's, it's one of my favorite books by her. It's a fantastic book. And if, again, my memory, my poor, poor memory serves, it was a part of the Great American Read. It was voted as one of the best books in America. It, yes, yeah. exactly. So most certainly a great read. And actually, I believe there is a movie um, that was, the book was made into a movie. So I believe that there, and there might be a couple of different versions of it. So if you haven't read the book or seen the movies, I recommend them. Do you have anyone else or? No, not book-wise. Not this month. Um, I'll give a, a mention to uh, a Los Angeles-based artist. Uh, her name is Mildred Lewis. Uh, she writes uh, a webcomic that's called Agents of the Realm uh, that is... Um, that I've heard good things about, and I've kind of I have I have not fully read it, but I have enjoyed what I've seen thus far, and it's uh, and she has a very diverse cast. It's kind of in the whole college uh, group of college women who basically get kind of um, for lack of a better word, like Sailor Moon powers. I think the term is Magic Girl powers, and they fight evil. So, and very nice. Got to fight evil. Got to fight evil where you find it. <laughs> All right, so what are your movie suggestions or recommendations? Well, uh, this month, uh, for Black History Month, uh, I am going with a, a local tie-in. Uh, there is a documentary called The Pruitt I Go Myth uh, by Chad Fredericks. And it is, uh, for, for anyone listening who's not familiar with uh, the Pruitt I Go building, it was built back in 1956, and it was... It was basically heralded as a uh, model of public housing project for the future. It was called the Poor Man's Penthouse. Um, and about 20 years later, it ended in rubble. Uh, and it is it is a very complicated and issue, the kind of the rise and fall of the Prudigo building. I highly recommend it. It is it is always it is relevant history to class and race issues that is still such a huge problem in America to this day. It is stunning, heartbreaking. It is something that you should watch, not just if you're interested in just black history, but St. Louis history as well. It is a documentary I personally own and sits on my shelf and recommend. Um, I don't know much about it, but yeah, I think I'll I'll have to look into it. So one of the movies that I uh, would recommend, it's an older movie. It is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It's from the night. It's from 1967, and it's with Sidney Poitier. Fantastic actor. Phenomenal. And also has Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Also two other great actors. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. But the movie itself was ahead of its time. And it was about a uh, interracial couple. Mm -hmm. um, and the woman is bringing... Sidney Poitier's character has invited him to dinner to meet her parents. Mm -hmm. Basically, the movie was ahead of its time, where mm -hmm. a white woman is inviting a black man to dinner to meet her parents, and mm -hmm. the two of them have been dating, which in 1967 would have been very controversial. Practically unheard of. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely second that. That is an amazing, important film. I'd go out and check that out from the library today. Do you have any 
Any others? Well, uh, not so much of movies, but like maybe recollection of you know some fantastic black actors. Um, uh, being a, a science fiction nerd, I was obsessed with the TV show Firefly. Uh, and Ron Glass is is a powerful actor. He played Shepard Book on that series, and sadly he's passed. It's been some years now. Or he was a fantastic actor while we had him. How about yourself? So, well, I have to just give a shout out to Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, he's in my opinion one of the great actors that we have. And one of the films that he did. This is an older film. It's called Philadelphia, which oh, is yes. also one of my all time favorites. He was so phenomenal in that movie that I actually wanted to go out and go to law school. It, it had moved me, his performance moved me to such a degree that I thought, I want to be a, a lawyer. I completely agree. A lot of people, you know, will think of uh, Tom Hanks uh, when they think Philadelphia. Yes, but, and he yeah. was great. Oh, he was great, but I, I thought Denzel did steal the show. He did. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I definitely think so. But And I've watched many of his other movies, and... To have really enjoyed him. Uh, movies like Training Day. He was he played kind of the bad guy in that, but he was so good. Yeah, he he owned that he owned that role. Another one that I love is The Bone Collector. This one's a little different because he just recently he started the TV series with the the character Lincoln Rhymes. But this is about a detective who is a quadriplegic mm-hmm. and is solving crimes from his bedside. Interesting. So Another one that he was very good in, there's Remember the Titans, Malcolm X, Flight. Oh, he was just so amazing in that. He and certainly he, had a good career. He did. Yeah. Or he, he does. He does. <laughs> and I could go on and on, so I'm going to stop there. <laughs> uh, another show that I really enjoy, uh, the BBC's Luther, uh, which stars Idris Alba, who is also a fantastic and fun actor. And uh, that's a really great show. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, like all BBC detective programs, it's, it's definitely worth the watch. So I would, if you have the opportunity, check it out. Um, I'm sure you, being an Alba fan, has seen it. I have, I have. And I believe we have it here in the library, we too. Do. So we have um, the series, so you can check it out. And, yes, I'm a big Idris Alba fan. So, yes, he's another one that I'm just like, whoo, I swoon when I see him. <laughs> he's a handsome man. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, one of my favorite sitcoms, more recent sitcoms anyways, was the TV show Community uh, mm-hmm. that Dan Harmon did. And I, depending on what year you were watching it, it was either good or bad because some seasons when NBC started messing with it was bad. I would say that Donald Glover's character of Troy Barnes is one of the funnier characters that uh, in TV. And when he left the program, in my opinion, it did not recover. They had lost such a dynamic uh, between him and, and Danny Pudi's character of Abed Nabdir, and when you did not have Troy and Abed together, it wasn't it wasn't as good. But I mean, the 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 reverse is that Donald Glover does go on to do Atlanta mm-hmm. off of FX, which was a which is a very good program. Uh, I'm not sure if it finished its run yet or not. I believe it's it's over. But um, the seasons that are out, I would highly recommend. And he's also has a music career as Childish Gambino, if I recall right. So, oh uh, wow, he's, uh, he's pretty accomplished. So that is impressive. Yeah. Well, I'm going to mention Dulé Hill because he—I feel like he's underrated. He's a good actor. I loved him in um, The West Wing. Thank you. 
I loved him in West Wing. He played um, he played the president's assistant in a way, and he was just the role. He was like made for that role in a way. Um, I agree. I keep and saying that. I feel embarrassed for myself that I did not say Dulé Hill because Psych is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. I don't think there was a better or a perhaps Columbo or Mr. Monk, but a more enjoyable, slightly comic, fun detective series. And uh, the adventures of Sean Spencer and Burden Guster, Mm -hmm. or Bruton Gaster, for the psych fans out there, was, uh, I love it. I watch it often. If it's on TV, I catch Psych, and Dulé Hill is 50% the best part of that show. Yes, that's the great dynamic duel. (laughs) Yes. They're a combo team. (laughs) They are. Anyway, Kirkwood, let us know uh, what are your favorites. So we'd love to hear from you. So please uh, leave us a comment and um, give us an opinion. What do you think of our recommendations? Yeah. Were we on point or were we off base? And so there's something we wanted to also get you to comment on. We are going to be watching some movies on Canopy and Hoopla and giving a little review about those particular movies. Yes, if you can't tell, Jagisha and I love film. And so we kind of want to set up our own little film uh, club. Siskel and Ebert. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, as as I'm sure you're all aware, the library offers Hoopla and Canopy, which is a streaming service that you can access with your library card and watch a variety of digital films. And uh, there are a lot of good titles out there. So we thought, what better way to highlight how great these offerings are than picking a movie monthly and then talking about it. So the movie we're going to review for next month is I Am Big Bird. It's a documentary. Yes, and as Carol, I want to say Spinny, passed so recently, we thought this would be a perfect title to start out with. And this film is an award winner. It won the Philadelphia Film Festival for um, Audience Award for Best Feature. This is supposed to be a great documentary, and so Ryan and I will talk about it in our next episode. In the meantime, you know, if you've seen it or if you are going to join us, then please leave some comments about the film. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, we. I've had uh, such a fantastic, this has been a great podcast episode. learned so much and, and have enjoyed, as always, talking with you about what films and books I love. Yes, I am. Well, we, you know how we all are, <laughs> films and books. <laughs> so happy Black History Month, Kirkwood. We'll see you back here in March.